Look, our brains are great at lots of things, but remembering passwords is not one of them, especially not secure passwords. Let's free our brains from being password managers and get something way better. 1Password. One 1Password one keeps everything private and in sync across multiple devices. 1Password can't see the passwords or sensitive information you store in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. I've been using 1Password for about 10 years now, and it's made my life so much easier, especially using it with Touch ID and Face ID. It's the first thing I install on any new phone, computer, or tablet I'm using for myself or my family. And all you have to remember is one strong account password that protects everything else your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. And I love that something I use to save me so many hours, I can't even count them all, is something you can try too. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash beyond for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash beyond. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash beyond. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to welcome back to the show for the fifth time, Todd Henry. He's the host of the Accidental Creative Podcast, author also of the book by that same name, as well as Die Empty, Louder Than Words, Herding Tigers, The Motivation Code, and now his brand new book, Daily Creative, a practical guide for staying prolific, brilliant, and healthy. I'm very excited to not only talk with Todd again, but also to have this great conversation about this great new book. If you're familiar with Todd's books at all, which I hope you are, but if you're not, this one, the new one, is the place to start. We get into that. We get into why the book has a different format than his past books, why it kind of covers all of his past books, all in one, and how this is truly a great way, whether you think you're creative or not, if you're a problem solver, you're a creative, why this book is a practical guide for not just staying prolific, but getting prolific first, then staying there, being brilliant and healthy. You can tell by my voice, I'm excited about this conversation and this book. So I'm going to just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Todd Henry. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Todd Henry. Todd, welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List. Great to see you. Eric, I feel like this is my home away from home, or at least this is my podcast home away from home. It's it's really good to see you again. (laughs) Thank you. Well, so I've been going back through past episodes of this show this podcast turned 10 years old recently, and wow. I know you've been podcasting longer than me. Uh, 2005, so I'm at 17 now. Wow, yeah, wow. I was debating, do I do I celebrate or do I just wait till 20 years and then just surprise people like, hey, it's been 20 years. You know, we're coming up on it. Yeah, but I was going through and I'm like, okay, how many times have you been on? This is your fifth time on the show. If I'm not mistaken, your sixth book. So... 
That's correct. Yeah. yeah, this this is number six, and wow, that is an honor. I, I really appreciate that because I love your show, and yeah. you have some just marquee guests on your show. So I really appreciate that you invited me back. That, that means I must not have sucked last time. So thank you for having me back. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, the first time we talked about the first two books, the Accidental Creative, which your podcast mm-hmm. is named after, and we talked about Die Empty. Then we did Louder Than Words. We did Hurting Tigers, the Motivation Code, which was the the last most recent one. Mm-hmm. That was what, 2019, I think? It was 2020. It was right in the heart of the pandemic. Oh, that's right. You're right. It was October 2020 to make it even worse. (laughs) See, that's the the time blur. Absolutely. So it was like a month ago, right, is what it feels like. Or it was 20 years ago. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) And now you've got the new book, Daily Creative. Before we get into the new book and what it is, I want to try and trace kind of a through line through all the books, if that makes sense to you, especially because this book is called Daily Creative, A Practical Guide for Staying Prolific, Brilliant, and Healthy. And the word creative, even if it's not outright stated with the accidental creative or daily creative or herding tigers, which is about creatives, it's there through all the books. It's in every book. I mean, I think that's the thing is like Todd Henry is always talking about creativity, being a professional creative even. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I think that word needs to be reclaimed a little bit because I think we misunderstand what it means. I think we often conflate creativity with art. So people hear the word creative and they think, well, I'm not creative because I'm not making music or I'm not painting or I'm not designing. But if you solve problems, you are creative. If you have to solve problems every day, that means you have to be creative. And especially if you do that for your job, which is most of us, by the way, today, you have to do it under pressure with limited budget. You know, you have to collaborate with others and deal with the conflict that is involved in collaborating on subjective work with other people. And so I think many of us are ill-equipped to deal with those pressures of having to go to work and solve problems under pressure every day or to be creative every day. And so that's really what I've spent the last 20 years of my life focusing on, whether it's leading teams or creatives, which I've done, or focusing on the dynamics of creating under pressure and some practices and principles that we can instill to help us be more effective. So you're exactly right. I think if you're going to draw a through line within all of my books, even Motivation Code, it is, in fact, this pressure to go to work and deliver value under pressure every day or to solve problems. Yeah, I totally see the Motivation Code as being a companion piece or a supportive piece to creativity and and the life of a creative. Whether you're pro or not, you can still treat yourself that way. And the Motivation Code, honestly, that was kind of breakthrough in a lot of ways for me. Really, really helped me out, especially in a place when, as you stated, October 2020, not many of us were feeling very motivated. So, Yeah, and well, that and that, the beauty of that book, which I you know we're not here to talk about that today, no. but the beauty of that book was it really teaches you how to bring motivation to your work more so than how to wait for your work to motivate you. And I know we had a really phenomenal conversation about your unique M code, your motivational mix. And um, I'm glad that was helpful to you. I know it transformed my world as well, but as a creative pro, it's helpful to understand what uniquely drives you, what attracts you to the kind of work you do. Even when you don't feel like doing the work, you feel compelled to do the work. And it's it's interesting to understand that because once you do, you can begin to bring that to your work instead of waiting for your work to motivate you. Yeah. I want to jump in on the new book, but we've touched on, let's see, motivation code. We just kind of checked that off. I want to give like a two sentence at most like synopsis again, because I think that all those books I saw reflections, echoes, maybe is a better word, in this one. As I went through it piecemeal all throughout the past year, as you were kind of giving it yes. out as bonus stuff for us special people that signed up for that, 
And thank you, by the way, for being one of the early readers. People may not know that, but you were one of the very first people to read this book a little bit at a time every single day over the course of the last year. And you even got things that didn't end up in the final book and, you know, some rough drafts of things. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, but it all starts with the accidental creative and that's being creative basically on the fly or at a moment's notice. Any better spin on that? I mean, first book, you should know by now how to spin it better than me. Basically, the Axon Creative is about how to organize your world so that you can be brilliant under pressure at a moment's notice. So if you want to be brilliant at a moment's notice, you have to begin far upstream from the moment you need a brilliant idea. That's the synopsis of the book. Essentially priming the pump yes. ahead of time, which again, the new book is very instrumental in doing. Die Empty then had to do with ideas. And I remember the graveyard story. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it, so, so the Axon Creative is about organizing your world so you can have ideas when you need them. Die Empty is about, okay, great. You're organized, but are you doing the right work? Are you putting the right work into the world? And how do you know what work really matters to you? So you can build a body of work that you're proud of. And by the way, we've got podcast episodes for all of these Louder Than Words is about finding your voice. And I remember us especially talking about you two during that podcast episode. So Yeah, we have that. That was a fun, that was a really fun moment in my life. Actually, it's a fun memory when we ran into each other, I think, at uh, the U2 concert in Indianapolis. That was, that was a blast. Yeah, moments um, after you met Bono and I did not. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry about that. Yes, I did share the photos though. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but so then Louder Than Words is, you know, so you've got your world organized, you're doing the right work, but Louder Than Words is about, is anybody going to pay attention? Because attention for your work is not a birthright. Just because you put something into the world doesn't mean people are going to pay attention to it. So it's really about making sure that you understand how to communicate your idea in a way that it will resonate with other people. Perfect. And then herding tigers, I think I mentioned it at one point, but that's the one where if you are a manager in charge of, or you have reporting to you, creative people, again, this is professional setting, et cetera, but, and this has changed a bit because we hadn't really hit the like remote work spin of the pandemic just yet. I'm, I'm curious, right. maybe coming back to that topic again at some point, in light of remote work. But anyway, herding tiger, herding, not hurting tigers. It's her, right, not, herding tigers. Herding, yes, yes, herding tigers. You hurt those tigers, they will hurt you back, which is part of the book, basically. It's how to support and foster creative life in the professional workspace for creatives, especially when you're the yeah. manager. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because after the first three books, people would say, hey, you've really helped me. Thank you. My world is so much better. I'm so much more effective. People are listening to what I say. Thank you for those first three books. But let me introduce you to my manager who doesn't really get me and doesn't understand me. And I realized there really hasn't been a book teaching people how to lead creative people. There are all kinds of leadership books, but nothing specific to how do you lead teams of people who are doing creative work every day. And the reality is a lot of creative leaders come up through the ranks as creative pros. Maybe they're like a really good designer and somebody says, hey, you're a good designer. You know what you should do? You should lead other designers. Well, that's a fundamentally different skill set. You know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you can lead other people doing it. So I wanted to write a book that really illustrated the unique nature of creative work and some of the things that creative people need from their manager and offer some prescriptive ways that managers can make the workplace more amenable to talented creative people. Yeah, so helpful. I remember really finding that kind of guidance for the people that aren't the creative or, or not in the creative position anymore really helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in, I, I know in the conversation, we talked a lot about, well, if you're trying to adopt this and your manager hasn't read this book, how can you bring the subject up in the right way and all of that? And, yeah, absolutely. You know, so 
And that book, you know, it's interesting. That book has really taken off during the pandemic, I think, because a lot of people were asking questions in the face of uncertainty about some of these dynamics, right? Like, okay, why is it that my team seems to be settling in? Why is it that my team isn't really engaged in the way that they once were? And so it's been interesting to watch that book kind of take on a life of its own during the pandemic. So I wanted to bring all those up because, again, like I said, as I went through the new book, Daily Creative, A Practical Guide for Staying Prolific, Brilliant, and Healthy, which came as no surprise when I heard about this. I'm like, no, this is this definitely makes sense. This is Todd's next book. I saw pieces that had come from previous works in this one, but this one's different, not just in format, but maybe not what you're going after. I think the mission's still there. You're helping people overall be creative and foster a creative life professionally, as well as just in all of life. But I'm curious when the idea struck you and why the format's different this time. Yeah, it it really, it struck me during the pandemic. I know we keep bringing up that word, sorry, I know we're moving beyond that, but it, but you know, it was a really transformative time, I think for a lot of people. And in the midst of that, I noticed a trend among professionals that I was working with, you know, leaders of organizations and companies that I was spending time virtually, not in the same room, but virtually with. It seemed like those who were thriving were those who had some set of practices, some kind of rituals or predictable rhythms that they instilled in their life to keep them engaged, even when the world around them was chaotic. And the ones who were struggling were the ones who didn't have those boundaries. They didn't have those rails. And you know, this is what I've been teaching for decades now, the importance of having rails and rhythms in your life, but I could see it playing out in full view. And when I experience that, sometimes it's really difficult for me to hand somebody a book and say, here, spend eight hours or 10 hours reading this book and absorbing it and applying everything in here. Because frankly, people, sometimes they just don't have time, right? People who are drowning, that's not the time to give them swimming lessons, right? You jump in, you take a life preserver and you help them back onto the boat. And I feel like a lot of people over the last couple of years have felt a little bit like they're drowning with having to figure out new ways of doing work and all of this. So I wasn't going to throw them like a swimming manual here, read this. And, you know, so what I wanted to do instead was to create practical little nuggets, everyday essays and challenges to help people take five minutes every day to think about how they're approaching their work and to challenge them with a prompt that would make them maybe think about their work in a new way or address the topic in a new way. And it's everything from how you focus to how you build relationships to how you lead and having the conversation and what's your passion and what's your productive passion. And are you finding that in your work and how do you generate ideas? I mean, it's all these things. So it's 366 prompts, including a leap day, of course, which we don't get to do until 2024, but that's okay. And the idea was sort of in the vein of what Gretchen Rubin said, which is what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. So I wanted to offer people something they could do every single day, very quickly, five to seven minutes to prompt them to think about their work in a new way, because that is so important to us in the face of uncertainty, that we have some rituals, some bounding arcs. And usually it's not, Eric, as you and I both know very well, because we do this all the time. It's not the big stuff that takes us out. It's the little things that we know we should be doing, but we forget about. Very rarely is it some brand new thing that we never thought of. Usually it's something that we've known for a long time and we just kind of overlook and forget about it. And so I wanted to write a book that was really about those little overlooked things to just kind of prompt people. And by the way, it's designed and you know, I know it's a different format. You mentioned that it's 366 prompts. So one a day, 
it's designed to go through over and over and over again, because every time you read it, you're going to be in a different situation. You're going to be experiencing different things and it's going to hit you in a different way. It's not high in philosophical. It's practical to the point and you're very direct and it's designed to challenge you to think about your work in new ways. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. I love that. It's that daily reader fashion. It's kind of devotional, if you will. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so 366, you've got one for every single day. I've seen other books like this, and this is different in that, say you get to, let's throw out a month here. Let's say October, for example, you get to October and the theme of October is insert word here. And if that's not necessarily something you want to spend a lot of time on, you're then stuck going through the rut and the grind of October's daily readings to get to the other side in November. It's all mixed up. It's all over the place in a, in a good way. It, it's very encapsulized on a daily basis. And that's something I actually really appreciated about it. So originally the idea was we were going to have themes, you know, so we'd have a week of something themed around one topic or a month themed around the topic. And for that very reason, Eric, it's because surprise is a powerful ally. You know, often when we're surprised by something, it has more of an impact on us, a more of a transformative impact on us. And so I wanted every day, each day to feel like you're opening up a package and what's what's today going to be. So that's exactly why we made it. It's all mixed up. So you might one day have something, a very direct challenge about leadership or collaboration. And the next day it's, hey, here are some ways to generate ideas today. Why don't you go try this thing? Right. And it's it, it was designed that way. 
Because that's how we live our life. You know, that's the reality of what it feels like to be a creative pro. We don't live our life in themes. We live our life, you know, often in response to whatever comes our way that day. So I'm glad you picked up on that. And I'm glad it was useful because that was something I really fought for. And, uh, you know, when we were putting it together and, you know, other people, you know, who love you know, themes and categories and those kinds of things. And that can be wonderful. But I really wanted it to feel surprising. Like I'm wrapping a gift every day. Yeah. Now, one of the things is that you would think you would open up the table of contents and you'd go through and say, oh, I see which months are which, but that's not the case here. It's just months. And so I think some people are going to want to know, okay, well, what are those themes, though they're split up and spread off across all of the days? What are those daily practices? What am I going to find in here? Again, it's all about growing and sustaining and living a more, again, prolific, brilliant, and healthy life, like the subtitle says. But what are some of those daily practices, those things that you're calling our attention to, and those things that we need to, even if we don't come back around to it for a while, every once in a while, we narrow our focus and pause and take a pulse check on those things? Yeah. So if you think about it sort of like an X, Y axis, there really are are kind of four quadrants to this book. There are personal practices and there are collaboration slash team practices. There is personal application and there are team slash leadership applications. And there are five key categories. Okay. So the first one is focus. So I write a lot about how to define problems to make sure you're solving the right problems, to ensure that you're asking the right questions about those problems, to ensure that you're staying mentally active. You know, there are a lot of practices or or, uh, challenges in the book related to ensuring that you're spending your finite resources in the right place. So that would kind of fall under that category of focus, which is allocating our attention in the right place. And again, some of them are from a leadership slash collaboration perspective, because we all have to do that typically. And some of them are on a very personal level. You know, how are you spending your finite attention toward things that matter to you in your personal life? Because you can't separate your work life from your personal life. It all, it all, it's all one giant pot, right? Of, of attention. The second category is relationships. This is about how we collaborate with others, how we connect with others, leveraging relationships to stay inspired, to stay engaged, to keep our fire lit. And so that we're lighting the, the light of fire of other people. So relationships is the second category. The third one is energy management. How are we managing our ability to bring what Lewis Hyde calls emotional labor to our work? And so this encapsulates everything from motivation to priorities to ensuring you're taking care of yourself physically and those kinds of things. So there are all kinds of prompts in the book related to those topics. The fourth area is stimuli. These are the sparks that we put into our head, dots that we connect in order to form new ideas. So there are any number of challenges related to the kinds of and quality of stimuli that you're putting into your world, challenges to you know approach your stimulus in, in new ways, practices for staying stimulated creatively. And then the final area is just about how we spend our time. Most of us spend our time very efficiently, though not always very effectively. You always tell people that you have to think about your time kind of like you think about your money. Most of us know that if we just spend all of our money, we're going to end up very broke in the end, very poor. We have to allocate some of our money to investments that are going to reap dividends for years to come. It's going to grow in value over time. Well, the same thing applies to our time. We need to think about our time, not just in terms of how we spend it, but how we invest it in potential future outcomes, potential future value. And so there are a number of challenges and practices in the book about investing time. How are you investing your time in things that are going to 
reap dividends in the future. And so those are the five key areas, focus, relationships, energy, stimuli, hours. Those are from The Accidental Creative for anybody who's read that book. And then there are a number of prompts that sort of tie directly to things from other books like Die Empty and Louder Than Words and Herding Tigers and Motivation Code. But all of them fall within those five categories, focus, relationships, energy, stimuli, hours, which spell the word fresh, by the way, for those who (laughs) are keeping track at home. Nice. It's funny. Originally, uh, we talked about categories and themes and all that. Originally, my editor for the Accidental Creative, David Moldauer, originally ours was time. And he said, Todd, right now you have Frest and Frest is not very good. So he changed time to hours. And I'm like, brilliant. That's great. So we had, we ended up with Fresh. Amazing. I know we listed off all the previous books at the beginning of this conversation. To me, I'll be honest, if I was going to tell somebody, they're like, hey, Todd Henry's got a bunch of great books out. Which one should I get? I'd say this one, because you start with this one. And then as you're going through daily, you're like, you know, I want to I want to dive a little bit deeper on that. Well, then there's a full-blown book, most likely, that's going to be the next jumping off point, And you just pick which one it is. I love that. I love, love, love that you said that because that's exactly what this was intended to be. You know, I've been doing this for a very long time. I've been writing books for 12 years. It's my sixth book in 12 years. I've been leading teams of creatives and working in creative fields for much, much longer than that. This book was designed to be an encapsulation of all the things I've been doing for the last couple of decades. It's really designed to be kind of like a dip your toe into certain topics and really sort of challenge people very directly in certain ways related to all these other themes with each entry feeling like a doorway that you could walk through into more substantial descriptions of that content, right? So that was kind of the idea was, hey, I'm going to do the same thing. Hey, which of your books should I read? I'm going to say, we'll pick up Daily Creative first because it's designed to be a really accessible, practical way to jump into some of these concepts and then dive into whichever one you know sparks your interest next. But I, I really appreciate that you said that because that's really what it was designed to be. Well, in a different way, it's a lower commitment book, even though it's a longer commitment book. You're going to read it daily instead of get through it as soon as possible. And it's going to have staying power. It's going to plant seeds all across the year as you read it daily. And not only are you going to gain lessons from the actual lessons, but you're also habitualizing the professional practice of yes. doing work consistently. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And that's also why, and and you know this, we're we're in the background, we're building a community, we're building, you know, all of these other tools. There's going to be an app we talked about publicly, but there's going to be all kinds of stuff that we're building that's designed to help people apply these principles, not just read them and have some interesting insights because insights don't change the world. They don't change you. It's application that gives life to that inspiration. Inspiration without application has a shelf life. So, you know, the idea is don't just read something, but go do something because that's what's going to be transformative for you, for the people you lead, for your organizations, and ultimately in the body of work that you build. Well, and that's the thing that's different also, not just the format, but the call to action. I know that's a phrase we hear all the time when it comes to advertising or many other things. Let's change it. Let's say it's a catalyst. It's a a jumping off point. It's a a homework's probably not a good word because people have an aversion to that word, but I, I know I do. Because I never loved doing it. But that's the point. It's like the hindsight wisdom of, oh, that homework was like micro studying. And if I had just done it, it would have helped me some of it, not all of it. I still hate homework. But point being is that by going through and working this out in small, manageable ways, instead of, again, treating a big 
book like one of your other ones as this massive retreat that I've got to go on and then Mm -hmm. come back and understand and be the leader on like herding tigers or something like that. Right. This has much more of an impact, I think. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And that's, that's, again, that's what it was designed for. I like to describe it as a secret weapon. You know, I feel like this is a secret weapon for problem solvers, you know, more so than when you mentioned homework, right? Because I think that does sort of have a sort of, uh, but if I told you, hey, if you spend seven minutes in the morning, you're going to gain back two hours that day in clarity and focus and improved conversation relationships. You know, I mean, it's a pretty good trade off, right? I can't make that promise of two hours, but I do <laughs> guarantee that if you, if you spend a little bit of time in the morning, it is going to make you better organized, better positioned for the challenges that come your way. You're going to have clarity in the face of uncertainty. And it is going to you know, give you an emotional well to draw from in those moments when you you need to have some reserve to be able to deal with difficult coworkers or difficult clients or whatever it is that you're, you're wrestling through. Even just taking that time to pause and do some sort of ritual that this could be become a part of. If people don't have that at all in their lives and this starts that for them, again, not to even get into the lessons, but then to add the lessons into it, it's like, oh, okay, not only am I learning to pause ideally in the morning. Cause I don't know that, you know, anybody wants to read this late at night. Although some people right. that's probably perfect time for them. I don't want to discount that, but for sure, let's go through the process here of like, let's take yeah. a, a, an entry and let's just say, if you walked through an entry, what would it look like? You start off with the reading in and of itself. I don't know. Do we want to read a piece or something? Maybe share that. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. If you want, I don't have a copy of the book in front of me. I can I know pull I it up. Um, yeah. I, I can, yeah. I can act as narrator here. Let me see that if I can. Wonderful. Yes. So uh, this is the beyond the to-do list audiobook version of uh, Daily Creative. <laughs> Let's see. You know what I'm going to do January 1st? Great. Because here's the thing. So here's a question. Somebody's going to ask this. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. preemptively uh, ask it for them. Say I buy the book when it comes out and it's not the beginning of the year. Do I just jump yeah. to that day? Yeah, just jump to September 6th yes. when it comes out. When it co- shows up in your mailbox on September 6th, you go straight to September 6th. And here's the other thing about it is I wanted to create a cadence of people addressing the same concepts, thinking about the same things, talking about the same things on the same day, just boom, 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 right? To create a conversation around these topics. So you know, wherever you are in the world, if you're reading September 6th, you know that there are thousands of people all over the world who are also reading that same book and having that same conversation, that same injury on the same day. Because again, the goal is to create movement and change, not just to put some interesting ideas in the world, but I really want people wrestling with these ideas and applying them to their life. And so we can get everybody reading the same thing on the same day and thinking about the same questions. I think it could spark some interesting conversations in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I can be so bold as to read your words back to you, (laughs) please do. Here we go. Uh, I picked January 1st. It's titled new beginnings appropriately. There is nothing as thrilling as the moment of inspiration. That fresh creative breath catches you and you're swept up in a fleeting moment of possibility. Then reality crashes in as you begin to consider what it might take to actually bring your idea into the world. If you're not careful, the gentle, tender seedling that has just sprouted from the ground can be crushed under the harsh boot of pragmatism. We must learn to cultivate and live in that sense of wonder and possibility, even if for a brief time, every day. We must protect it because it is what ultimately animates our greatest work. And then you say, about 15 years ago, my friend Lisa Johnson encouraged me to write a list of several things that would blow my mind if they happened, and then to review that list regularly. She encouraged me to list career ambitions, relational goals, 
financial goals, personal accomplishments or experiences or anything else that excited me. I did the exercise and reviewed the list every morning. And much to my amazement, most of those items on that list have actually happened. There was nothing magical about writing a list. This is not about wishful thinking. I firmly believe it was my willingness to spend time each morning dreaming about possibility that kept me moving toward my creative ambitions. Spend a few moments today writing a short list of things that would blow your mind if they happened. Dream big. Dwell in the possibility. And keep them in front of you and review them each morning. Maybe even use them as a bookmark for this book. Don't sacrifice what's possible on the altar of what's immediately practical. Your greatest work is still ahead of you if you're willing to stretch towards possibility. You must learn to root yourself in possibility. And then there's a question. What is on your this would blow my mind list? And that's an entry. That's one day. That's an entry. Yes. So that's a great way to kick it off. Again, that's not where everybody's going to kick it off because not everybody's going to start on January 1st. But that gives you a, a gist of how each of those work. And that was quick and painless. I don't, I think that was what less than five minutes, something yeah, along those lines. It probably takes a minute and a half to read it, right? And say a couple minutes to do the exercise or to think about the exercise or whatever. And there are certain things like that one on January 1st that, I mean, it's a great time to do that exercise, right? When it's the beginning of the year. And there are some that like at the end of the year, it's sort of more of like a year in review kind of thing. You know, the middle of the year, there's some that are kind of themed around being like halfway through kind of thing. But, uh, you know, what's interesting is you do that exercise and then you come back to it January 1st of next year and you're looking at that blow your mind list. And it's interesting to compare okay, what what is on my list now versus what was on my list a year ago and have any of those things happened? And you know what maybe did this prompt me to think about or do? And by the way, I want to be really clear. This isn't like some kind of, you know, the secret law of attraction. You know, if you write it down, it's going to happen. That's not the point. The point is we often have ambitions in our life and we have dreams and goals and things that we don't talk about. We don't think about, we don't write them down. Just the act of writing things down and bringing them into the world and saying, hey, this is something that I aspire to will start prompting you to look for ways to potentially make those things happen. And that's exactly what happened with my list, right? It wasn't like just writing them down made them magically occur. It was that reviewing them consistently prompted me to be looking for opportunities to bring those things into being. And so over time, they started happening, not because of anything magical, but just because I was aware. I was looking for dots to connect. I was looking for opportunities. I'm like, oh, this is a way for me to possibly have this career opportunity I've been wanting to do forever and ever, you know? And so just being intentional. And really, that's the, if you wanted to sum up this book in one word, it would be intentionality, right? It's be intentional about your creative process, be intentional about how you approach your life and your days. You'll be surprised at how often serendipity strikes when you're creating an environment in which serendipity is more likely to strike. And again, what you just said, I just hear accidental creative being creative at a moment's notice because, (laughs) because again, you've primed the pump. This is a daily priming of the pump that gets Mm -hmm. you to be creative. And again, we've, we've thrown that word creative out many different times in the opening for the book. You say some of what you already said in this conversation where anybody who considers themselves a creative, this is for them. This is also for those people who don't consider themselves creative, but they are problem solvers. That's right. That's right. And and if, again, you know, my life's work is helping people understand that they are creative, whether they think they are or not. 
If you're an engineer, come on, you're creative. You're solving problems every single day. If you're managing an organization, hello, right? If you're managing systems, hello. If you're an entrepreneur, come on. You are absolutely a creative professional, which means you're privy to all the same pressures and dynamics as those people we typically think of as the creatives. It's just that you maybe aren't aware of that and you don't know how to structure your life to deal with those pressures. And so that's really been the underlying theme of the last couple of decades of my life is helping people understand what it means to be a creative professional and also how to build practices into their life to position them to be brilliant at a moment's notice. Something occurs to me that this doesn't have to just be an individualized practice. You talked about, what was the four quadrants again? Remind me. Yeah, it's personal versus relational collaborative and then personal versus relational collaborative on the other quadrant as well. But within those five categories, right? So personal application versus team application and then personal practices versus team slash organizational practices. It's weird to have an XY quadrant with the same thing on both quadrants, but it's practices versus application. Yes. And then with those five categories, focus, relationships, energy, stimuli, hours. So for example... How I apply a principle to my own life, my own private life, even my work is going to be very different maybe from how I would apply it as the leader of an organization where I'm trying to think systemically and I'm trying to think about how this might apply to my collaborative relationships or something like that. But it's still related to this topic of focus, you know, and how we're allocating finite attention. You know, some people might think, well, I'm not a leader. I don't lead other people, but you're still more often than not going to be in environments where you're going to be impacted by leaders or where you maybe aspire to be a leader. And so even if you don't think you are a leader, you're still impacted by leaders and you still have to collaborate with other people. And we still have to be aware of some of those dynamics that occur when we're trying to do complex creative work in the face of uncertainty alongside other people with whom we may or may not always agree. And so that's why it's important for us to be aware of these leadership dynamics, even if we don't consider ourselves an organizational leader. So for example, if we take that entry that we read, that seems on the face of it, it seems like, oh, that's a private thing. That's, that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a me thing, but you can macro level that you could say, well, Hey, if we all thought, you know, as an organization, as a, as a team or as a company, what's that list look like for us? Absolutely. A hundred percent as an organization, what would blow our mind if it happened? Who are the clients we would love to work with that we think are so out of reach for us? right? What kind of work environment would we have that right now seems completely impractical? You know, what kinds of policies and flexibility might we have if we had the resources to make them happen? I mean, these are the kinds of things that we could totally do as an organization as well and put them out there and and talk about them and and begin to think about how we could bring them into being. So that's an option. You could get this for yourself, Mm -hmm. go through it for yourself, maybe quote, before you go to work, whatever form that takes. But this can also be done as a collective effort, maybe with a team. For sure. We're going to do our uh, daily creative time. That's right. And and if you and if you go to dailycreative.net, by the way, there are some discussion questions for teams to help them apply this book as well, because I know a lot of organizations have already contacted me because they've bought you know, dozens or even hundreds of copies for their organization, and they're going to plan on going through it together, which is great. That's amazing. Man, I, I see. And I would love to be part of an organization that does that. <laughs> Now, I know some of the people in the organization might think, oh, work bought us this book and now we've got to go through this, not knowing what book it is. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yes. So, oh, it's another bonding or what growing and learning thing that we've got to do together and whatever. Well, if it's this book, you're in good hands. But 
you may want to get a copy for yourself anyway and just go through it and do your private version as well. Because I know I would benefit from doing both of those things. A lot of people would. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, it's not, you can't separate your private life, your personal life from your work life. You know, we sit at the center of every commitment that we make. And so I think that's a really great observation. All of these exercises can be done through the lens of your work, but also through the lens of your larger body of work, which encompasses every place in your life where you add value, all your relationships, everything that you bring yourself to every day. There's one other thing I thought of. So a while ago, I think it was late 21 or it was late 20. It was one of those and I need to add on to it. But I did like my top five productivity books. Motivation code was in there. That's amazing. Thank you. But. I've recently said, you know what, you need to expand it to the 10 and Mm. daily creative now either swaps in or gets a spot. So, oh, wow. There you go. That's incredible. Well, thank you. That, that really means a lot because I know that you are kind of the master and the guru of all of these things of, of this space. And so that really means a lot to me. I know that you, you have read a lot of stuff and you've encountered a lot of ideas. So thank you very much for that. That's high praise. Yeah. So, and again, I would suggest if anybody's interested, start here and it's coming out immediately. So let's talk about where people can go to find out more and, you know, maybe even jump on and see what those questions are that you were talking about as groups and everything. Where's the best place for people to learn more if they're not quite sold yet? Yeah. So if you want to know more about the book, you can go to dailycreativebook.com, dailycreativebook.com, or there's a larger community at dailycreative.net. So you can go to either one of those places and learn a little more about the book and learn a little more about what we're up to. You can also access, as I mentioned, the group discussion guide and much, much more at dailycreative.net. Perfect. Todd, again, This is the fifth time, won't be the last, I'm sure. In fact, we could probably choose, as I start to go through the book again, and every other person that buys the book starts to go through it, I could probably say, okay, let's have Todd back and we'll just talk about one aspect of the FRESH acronym. You know, we'll talk. I love that. That We'll just talk focus. We'll just talk hours. We'll just talk. We could do that periodically for a while now if we want to. I have a feeling what's going to happen is you're going to invite me onto a call and it's really just you kind of unpacking one of the <laughs> entries and you're asking me all these questions. Of, Wait a minute. Are you, gonna, is this for the podcast or are you just asking me a question about this entry, which I'm happy to do. I'm totally joking, but I would love to do that. I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, it would be really fun too. I mean, we're both long time podcasters and I'm sure there are probably a lot of people listening who are interested in that space. And we've even talked about getting together. We don't live too far from one another. I think it'd be really fun just to jump on and have a conversation about the evolution of podcasting over time. That would be a fun little chat to have about all the little hacks and gimmicks we used to have to do before podcasting was even a thing. Has anybody out there built their own XML file in order to share their podcast with the world? You know, like literally we were like by hand coding an XML file to put on a server, you know, so people people could download. And it's just like, it's so funny now how easy things are compared to what they used to be. I sound like that old grumpy grandpa saying, I used to have to walk uphill both ways to school, (laughs) right? In the snow while coding an XML file. But um, yeah, but that'd be fun too. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'll make sure you sign the waiver before I invite you again, just so you know that it's a podcast, but but we will definitely do that. We will meet up soon and we'll talk all about that. And we will definitely do some deeper dives on this book into those five themes. I think that'll be pretty fun. We can parse those out. 
And then it'll be time for the next book, which I'm sure you kind of already have an inkling of what it is because everybody works ahead. Yes. I'm already working. I'm giving <laughs> talks about it right now at a couple of conferences coming up. So it's already yeah. in the works. Yeah. Awesome. Well, until the next time, Todd has been awesome talking with you. Thanks for being here. You too, Eric. And thanks for the great work that you do. Thanks for the inspiration you continue to provide. I mean, very few people understand how much effort it takes to make this kind of thing happen. And you do it with such grace. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you very much. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Todd Henry as much as I did. Grab this book. It is out now. Daily Creative, a practical guide for staying prolific, brilliant, and healthy. The link's in the show notes. Just click it, head on over there, grab it. I'm telling you right now, I have a hard copy and I'll be going through this myself. I've had the privilege of going through it ahead of its release date, bit by bit, in audiobook format, which was nice because I got to hear Todd's voice every time. If you found this conversation, as well as any of Todd's past books, helpful, Share this podcast with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Do me that favor. Do them that favor. Hit the share button in your podcast player app of choice or over at the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. Share this with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Thank you again for sharing. Thank you for listening. If you want to get short cast episodes of this podcast, you can find them at beyondthetodolist.com slash Blinkist. Again, thank you for listening and I'll see you next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.